Excellent, excellent. I'm so used to having the uh, that little ear mic, so you know I like talking with my hands. You know, a lot of people say I'm always moving, so I'm like a black Italian guy. I speak with my hands, <laughs> so I speak to my hands. Uh, so it's gonna be hard holding this microphone, but we do that because. Obviously, uh, if you're ever missing uh, one of the classes and you need to get uh, a CD audio uh, of the lesson because you're not there, we try to, we try to get all those lessons recorded for Chuck. Just some technical difficulties. Chuck, I got a big mouth. I don't need. To. I got this. If you wanna, uh, if you wanna tape it to your collar. Okay. Well, you know, I'll just go ahead and hold it. Okay. Yeah, go ahead and hold it. Right. But we good on the volume, huh? Okay, excellent, excellent. Let me go ahead and close the door. Okay. Uh, There's a lot of new faces I haven't had a chance to meet, but for the, uh, the fact that time is going to get away from us very quickly. Um, of course, everybody knew who I am, so very quickly, just give me a first name. Very quickly, start right here. Chris. Griffin. Good. Lewis. Dwayne, Mike, Micah, Kaiser, Ada, good, and I'm Freddie. Uh, some people call me Coach Fry. Fred. I don't care what you call me. Just don't call me late for supper. Just do not call me later. Well, let's get started. Father, we thank you for all that you've done and what you're doing in the life of those whom you are calling, those who you're working, your incredible desire and your will and your purpose in their lives. I pray, Father, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will open up our understanding and our minds and our hearts that we may comprehend and understand uh, your word. Your word is transforming. It is powerful. Lord, we want the word to become living and active inside of us so that, Lord God, they can see who you are through our lives. I ask, Lord Father, as I submit to the power of the Holy Spirit, that you will begin to allow me to speak those things that are edifying to you through your word. Let us clearly see the things and the truths you want us to understand and know. I thank you for all these young people, your sons and daughters of the Most High God, who, Lord God, will do incredible things throughout their lives, and you're positioning them for incredible things. And, Lord, we thank you and we honor you. We bless you for the lesson on last week at Pastor Matt taught it, Father, and we know that the lesson resonated with us as believers in Jesus Christ. And so today as we talk about your word, that your word will transform and shine a light on every area of our lives, Father, so that our lives will be pleasing to you. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. And we want to say amen. 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 Well, this week's lesson. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. This the, the lesson this week will be the power of God's word. This book is unlike any book you will ever have in your possession, as many of you know. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. And the reason why this book is unlike any other book, because uh, we're going to take a look at some scriptures that's going to reveal to us the power of this word. We believe that God's word is powerful to do everything it claims it can do. My wife had a fa- has a favorite saying, the word will work when you work the word. It will work. You know, a lot of people say, well, I tried God. That don't work. You don't try God. It is a lifestyle, a, com- a full-time commitment. So why is the Bible so powerful? Why, why is the Bible able to do everything it claims? And this is what we want to answer. Why is the Bible so powerful? And it, it, why is it not like any other book ever written? Now look at first, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17 tells us. It says that all Scripture is breathed out by God. And one in, in uh, version says it is inspired, and it's inspired word of God is the inspiration of God. And it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You know, if someone was to ask you, if you would ask someone, why, what are some of the reasons why people don't consistently read the Bible? What were some of the answers you think you would hear? Why reasons why people do not consistently read the Bible? Don't understand it. Make excuses. I'm too busy. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else? It's boring. 
At the very core, I truly believe, after you look at this lesson, you're going to see why I said what I said. At the very core of why so many people don't lock in love with this book is this Bible has to say a lot about your lifestyle. It reveals a lot about who the Father is and who we are in reference to him. Because the Bible is the very breathe out words of God, it is powerful to accomplish all it claims to be able to accomplish. You see, right now, we, it, when you look at all of the promises that God has made, God will fulfill everything he wrote in that Bible. The enemy comes along and try to get us to believe we, not, we are not who God says we are in the Bible. But we need to understand it can accomplish all it claims that it can accomplish. The Bible is alive. It is living and active and working in the lives of those who submit to its power. The key is those who submit to its power. Jesus said this to the Pharisees. It is your traditions that have made the word of God of no effect. It is your tradition. As powerful is the word of God, as powerful, he says, it will not get past your traditions and it will not work for you. The power here lies in our ability to submit to it. Hebrews 4.12 tells us this. It gives us a description of God's word. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of the soul and of the spirit and of joints and of the marrow and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. Because the Bible is the very breathe out words of God, its words are divine truth without error. It is the divine truth of God's word without error. It is powerful to accomplish all that God intends. You know, we live in a, in a postmodern era. Under postmodernism, um, we, we, we've come down, because I teach a worldview class, and under this postmodernism era, we, uh, uh, truth is relative. We call it ethical re- relativism. Uh, Madeline familiar with that term because she's been taught and grew up in my worldview class. Where truth it's subject to the individual. So whatever your truth is, is truth for you. And whatever your truth might be, is true. But when it comes down to God's word, <laughs> that does not work. And many people today struggle with, with absolute morality and absolute truth because there are no shades of gray with God. God's word calls things like they are. So the Bible is the very breathe, word, breathe out word of God. It is divine. It is without error. It is powerful to accomplish everything that God has intended. The word of God informs us as to how we should view the world around us and gives you and I an accurate picture of reality. That's why a lot of times the scripture tells us that the philosophies of man is hollow and deceptive and is not from God. Unless we have a biblical worldview of the world around us, we will not have an accurate account of what's really real because the Bible shows us and tells us and shows us what the reality of things really are. In this book, Thinking Like a Christian, David Noble, uh, he's the guy that actually wrote the curriculum, Understand the Times and Summit Ministry. He said this, if the Bible is truly God's special revelation to us, to man, as we believe it is, then the only completely accurate view of the world must be founded on Scripture. If you look at a biblical worldview, it's like putting on some glasses. Let me just, let me just do this. Um, let's see. You don't wear glasses. Okay. I brought these for a specific reason. Okay. You can see me pretty clearly. Okay. I want you to put these glasses on. Well, come up here. Okay. I want you to turn and look at mom and dad. Okay. Can you see them pretty, pretty clearly? I want you to tell me what happened um, looking at mom and dad after you put these glasses on. Describe what you're seeing or what's happening. What's going on? Oh, you look pretty intelligent, dude. <laughs> so what are you, what's going on as you put these glasses on? Blurry. Okay. Can you see the guy way in the back waving at you? Kind of. All right, take him off. Can you see better? Much better. Have a seat. Good. I really, I should have used you because uh, you had the glass on. What happens is when we see the world around us through the lens of man's tradition and man's philosophy... We don't see uh, correctly and truly the way things are. And that's why we have to basically allow ourselves to make the word of God an integral part of our lives and have a biblical worldview.
worldview so that we can accurately see the world through the lens of God's eyes, not through the lens of man's eyes. The only way we can see accurately the world around us and really accurately know is that we have to get into the word of God because it shows us what's real and what's not and how God shows us. He shows us uh, what's, what's the big picture. Because we know that God's word is the only source of divine revelation that informs every aspect of our lives. We make it a priority. Somebody say priority. We make the word of God a priority to maintain our commitment to keep God's word as the center point of everything we do here at Living Word Church. Because we know that God's word is the only source of divine revelation that informs every aspects of our lives. We make it a priority to maintain and our commitment to keep God's word as the center point of everything we do here at Living Word. Now, what we want to do is we want to take a look at some word pictures. Uh, and I love pictures. They say pictures is worth a thousand words. Um, so what I want to do is look at some word pictures that sort of give you and I an illustration of what the word of God might be like. Okay, so the first one to take a look, the word of God is like a sword. Okay, it's like a sword. I remember my wife um, asked me to cut up a watermelon and I sort of took my time getting to it. So she decided she was going to do it herself. Um, And she's not familiar with all of my knives. Okay, and I ever since every time she brings a watermelon home now, I cut them all up. Well, anyway, long story short, she took one of the knives and she didn't know how sharp that knife was. So she started cutting the watermelon, whatever. And then. She put it on the edge of the counter, and as she moved one of the pieces, the knife fell on the floor. Well, it fell on the floor blade to foot, and she had some flip-flops on, and it hit the top of her foot. And then she said it felt kind of weird. It was just a, just a little slit. It wasn't a whole lot of blood in there. But from that point, she said it was really weird, just weird. Some of you left know what happened. She cut a tendon. She cut a tendon. And then she had surgery and whatever. And so at that point, I told her, I said, see this knife? I had to lay them out. Don't touch any of these. And she said, see those knives? They're for cutting my watermelons. You do it. I said, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, here is the thing. Just like that knife hit her foot and cut that tendon, that was not a good thing. But here we're going to take a look at a picture of the word of God as a sword that cuts and divides. Hebrews chapter 4, 12, and 13 tells us, For the word of God is living and what? And it is also what? Then any what? And piercing to the division of the soul and of the, and of the spirit, of the joint and of the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give an account whom we must give an account. God's word is like the sharpest surgical scalpel. It cuts through layers of excuses. There it is. He talked about excuses. The word of God cut through layers of excuses, such as pride. It cuts through self-righteousness. It cuts through self-sufficiency. It cuts through hurt, rejection, anger, and doubts. It cuts with the ultimate precision. Our very own thoughts and intentions cannot be hidden when subjected to the exposing work of the living word. Wow. There's not a moment, and I know you can say, man, but that's not a moment that if you scroll through the pages of, of, of any verse or any book of the Bible, that you spending time in the word, that will not be a moment where you will never be able to go through that word and that word will not grab a certain area of your life and says, okay, I need this portion. I need you to give me this. I need to change that. When you open up the word of God and make an integral part of what you do, it will speak and man will it speak. It will speak profoundly. You know, a lot of people live their lives where it's like, Lord, I need, I need an answer from you an answer. So what they're doing is they'll just open the Bible, flip the page, and just do this. That's very dangerous to do that because you just might get what you're looking for. <laughs> for instance, and they went down to Ephesus to preach. <gasps> if I got to go board a plane? Okay. But no, from all 66 books of the Bible speaks in one area of our lives or another. God's word the God's word cut through all the hypocrisy. It reveals what is really within the hearts of man. It cuts through all the hypocrisy. It shows us what's really there. 
Hebrews 4 says that no one is hidden from the exposing power of God's word. Nothing, nothing, no one or nothing is hidden from the exposing power of God's word. And let me ask you, you want that. You really need that. Because you only got one shot in this life, only one, and you want to live your life through truth. Okay? You want to live your life through truth. And you want to live your life through God's truth because only what you do for Christ is eternal. Just like the, the surgical scalpel cuts to bring healing, so is it with the sword of God's word. It doesn't cut to harm or destroy, but it cuts to exposing to bring healing and restoration. Boy, sometimes when God's word comes, boy, it could, it, it, it'll make you say, amen, or oh me, one of the two. But you know what? I love what Nadine said to Pastor Ben. I think it was two weeks ago. I said, look, she said, I don't have a problem if God is laying something in your heart and something coming from, that, from the word of God and you teach it and step on my toes. And that's an old Pentecostal uh, statement. The pastor, step on my toes. And really the pastor's not doing it. It is the truth of God's word coming from the mouth of the servant that's revealing a certain area of your life that he wants to, you and I to correct. That's really what's going on. Because you only get shot one shot at this life. I'd rather correct it here than leave have not having it corrected and stand before God and have to give an account for that because he says we will give an account for it. Hebrews chapter 12, when we take, speaks of the loving discipline of the Lord, in Hebrews chapter 12 it says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may grow, so you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, we have not yet resisted to the point of shedding of blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that address you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And I know most of y'all are going to uh, sort of connect with this. As a child, don't you, didn't you hate when your parents says, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you? And everything inside of you is okay. Give me the strap. <laughs> give me the belt. My, my mom and dad never, ever asked me to go outside and get a switch. They never asked me to do it because I would come back with a twig. <laughs> I will come back with a twist. Nobody ever wants to be disciplined. It doesn't feel good to be corrected. No discipline of any form. It doesn't feel good. We don't. As human beings, because of our fallen nature, we don't like being told what to do, even as adults. We really do not like being told what to do. But you know what? When you understand what, cor- the, the, what correction is really for, my father said something to me, and I echoed to my children as they were young, old enough to understand this. He said, I told him this, I, uh, I would love, as your father, I would love to be your friend. But right now, I can't. I have to be your father. And what that means is, I'm, there's going to be some things I'm going to tell you that you're really not going to like. And I'm going to be all right with that if you just don't like what I'm telling you to do. Sometimes my no, you will not agree with my no. And I'm fine with that. Even if you give me a face, it won't change anything. I said, I will be your friend when you clearly understand the responsibility of what a father is or a mother. And it was crazy that the older I got, the more I saw my parents as wise. Because, you, you know, when you're a teenager, you think you know everything. God's word is not like not a Q-tip that tickles, but it's like a sharp double-edged sword that is used by the Holy Spirit to produce supernatural changes in our lives. It is alive. It is actively working to cut, expose, to correct, and discipline, to wound, and then to heal. There was only one group of people during Jesus' day that had a problem with his sharp tongue, with his sharp truth. And that was the religious leaders. You know why? Because Jesus told them who they really were. Well, I mean, I was reading one portion of the scripture where he says, you know, you guys are like whitewashed tombs, you know, full of dead man bones and you stink. Now, he didn't say that behind closed doors. He said this out in the opening to these self-righteous, arrogant religious leaders, and he crushed them every time because he knew their heart. 
he knew was there, and he was just crushing them every time. And they just hated him. Every day he lived throughout three years of his ministry. They hated him. But that's what the word of God does. It gets to the heart of the matter because for Christ, it is a matter of the heart. Amen? The great reformer Martin Luther says this about God's word. The word of God is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. And it holds me. So the first word picture we looked at is the word of God like a sword. It cuts, but it's only opening up those things so that healing can take place. The second word picture we want to take a look at as it relates to the word is the word of God is like a seed. Somebody say seed. That produces a harvest. Matthew 13, 23 says this. Once you follow along. As for what was sown on good ground, good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, and another sixty, and another thirty. You're talking about the progressive work of the word. When God's word is sown on the heart that has been prepared by the Holy Spirit, it will produce a what? Harvest. It will produce a harvest. It will give you joy when you don't have it. It will bring peace to you when you're struggling. It will produce the harvest if you allow the word of God, if you allow your heart to receive the word of God. Some seeds take longer than others to germinate, but the seed of God's word is imperishable. What does that mean? It endures forever. The truth of God's word will be here. It was here before you got here. The truth of God's word will be God's truth while you're here. And the truth of God's word will be his truth long after we're gone. Why? Because the word of God is from the very breath of God. And it takes on the very nature of God because God is eternal. So are his words. It is imperishable. Isaiah 40 and 8 says it like this. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. You know, and a lot of times people talk to me about all the different religions and all the different philosophies that are out there. And I have a simple uh, test I give to him. I said, if what you believe could sustain you through the worst time of your life, then what you have is real. But if it cannot sustain and hold you and it don't last, then what you have is not eternal. Does that make sense? And the word of God has been tested, it's tried, and it's true. Some seeds take a little bit longer to germinate than others, but the word of God is imperishable. First Peter chapter 1, 22 and 23 says, Having purified your souls by the obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Let me share something with you. Many of us who have chosen to allow God to be the, the, the centerpiece of our lives, and because now he is the centerpiece of your life, the word of God now becomes the, the GPS, if you will, that guides and navigates you through every aspect of your life. And a lot of you who have submitted to the word of God, you're allowing the word of God to search the deeper things of your heart so that your life can be well-pleasing to God. The world does not understand why we live the way we live. The world does not understand why we make the choices that we make. The world does not understand why we don't sort of come in line with their, with their philosophy, with their, the way they see things. Because we realize as citizens of the kingdom, because the word of God is really the antithesis of man's truth, and we've submitted to that truth. The world simply, you got family members simply don't understand why you don't do the things you used to do or do the things that they do. Because you're under a different mandate. The word of God is totally opposite to the culture and traditions of men. And every time you submit to it, you quickly find out, man, whew, this is not going to set well with the people around me. But you know what? I'm, we're called to be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. Amen. How many of you guys are God pleasers, want to be God pleasers? Amen. So we see the seed produces a harvest. It is here, it says, it is through the power of the seed of God's enduring word that men and women, young and old, are born again. 
This is why we don't waste our time preaching human philosophy. This is why we don't preach pop psychology. This is why we don't hold up human wisdom and vain tradition. Because all these things and these methods are powerless to produce anything supernatural. But rather, we hold up high the word of God. We cast the imperishable seed and we sit back and we wait as the Holy Spirit begins to work on the seed that is sown. That's powerful. You know, a lot of us realize that when we share the, the word of God and share our lives with others who may not know him, you've got to give once you plant that seed there because the only thing we've been required to do is put, the, put those seed out or the word of God out and just put it in the heart. Then you've got to allow the Holy Spirit time to start working on what you have given that person that has been planted in their heart. They might not even come to Christ right there the minute you tell them about you. It would be great that everybody, you go and your family and friends and share the word of God just like right there. What must we do to be saved? That would be awesome. But you got some hearts a little harder and a little bit stubborn than others. But the only thing we require to do is put that seed out and the Holy Spirit's going to do the work. The Holy Spirit will do the work. Amen. Charles Spurgeon said this. I would rather speak five words out of this book than 50,000 of the philosophers. If we want revival, we must revive our reverence for the word of God. If we want conversions, we must put more of God's words into our sermons. You know, it was interesting that the the, uh, Pharisees, I mean the apostles, everywhere they went to preach, they preached Christ. Think about that. They preach Christ crucified. Christ died. Christ rose from the dead. They didn't know anything else. That's, that was the sum total of their message. Christ died. Christ crucified, died, and rose from the dead. And it was so profound was that message that the Bible says that everywhere they went preaching Christ, there were signs following and miracles that were present. That's why I love the, 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 um, the Ephesians series that they're doing, In Christ, In Christ. I don't know how many of you guys have been enjoying it. That's been phenomenal. Because somehow, sometimes when you listen to a message or a sermon, it's like, okay, where was Christ in this? Is Jesus still even a part of this word? Because sometimes it's hard to navigate to even hear a Christ, Christ-centered message. And I thank God for Pastor Ben because he, God has, has him in a season where he says everything we do will exalt Christ. Christ has to be at the center of it. The third picture I want you to take a look at, not only is he a sword and seed, the word is still, but the word is also a lamp. Somebody said lamp. Now, that lights our path. In Psalms 119.105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. We live... You don't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. We live in a dark world. Now, darkness not, it's not talking about physical darkness. We're talking about moral darkness where man simply has slipped himself away from God's truth. And now man is not being navigated by his own thoughts, by his own way of doing things. So we live in a dark world. Our culture is surrounded by pervasive darkness. We desperately need the light of God's word to shine on the right path for us to walk in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Wow. Dark world. Look at how it describes it. Dark, crooked, perverse. Because when when man lives by his own philosophy, you're asking the problem to fix the problem. That's what psychology, when you, psychology is a problem developed by man and you go to psych, the psychologist, you're asking the problem to fix the problem. And that's impossible. You know, you can't ever build a house by trying to nail a nail in a piece of wood with a rubber mallet or a toothpick. You got to use the right instrument tool to build the house. The word of God is the right tool to which to build your life, is upon, uh, life upon. God's word is a lamp. That helps us to see through the blinding darkness of this world. 
John chapter 1. See, John does an amazing job of painting a, 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 a picture of who Christ is, and he paints Christ as the Messiah. And it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God from the beginning. And the light, he says, and there was a gross darkness, and the light came into the darkness, but the darkness could not comprehend that light. They didn't understand it. Your friends will never understand the scripture because they're spiritually discerned until they come on God's side and he begin to open their eyes. I, I grew up in church. I'm a church kid. You know, I, when I was born, you know, and raised at, since I was eight, you know, I was a drug baby. My mama drugged me to church every Sunday. <laughs> every Sunday. She drugged me to church. And be, being raised Pentecostal in the church of God, it was amazing. The same testimony I heard over and over and over again when people stand up and talk about the transforming power of God's uh, power in their lives. And here's what I hear all the time. And it just used to baffle me. I said, and people say, well, man, I'm so glad the Lord saved me, changed me. And they say something like, I couldn't believe I was that blind. You know, if you don't really understand what they're saying, What they're saying is I was going and walking down a certain path totally unaware of my spiritual condition until Christ came in, opened my eyes, and I saw myself for who I really was. That's what they were really saying. That I couldn't believe I was that blind. Blind to what? Blind to the present condition of their lives. Because what does the God of this world do? He blinds their eyes from the what? From the truth. That's what he does. He don't really want you to see who you really are. So the lamp lights our path. We must be careful not to grow accustomed to darkness of this culture. That is one of the most dangerous things about living with Jesus Christ and in this culture is that they're throwing so much at us and so consistently and with such frequency, we have to be careful that we don't become so accustomed to it that we see sin as normal. Amen? That we don't see sin as normal. We cannot turn off the light of God's word in our personal lives or in our church. We need the light more now than ever before. As the darkness becomes increasingly dense, we must hold up the light because the light dispels darkness. We must hold up the light because the light dispels darkness. I think one of the greatest things to have been invented, and the, 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 the wives are going to say amen, one of the greatest things that have been invented is the electronic device of the GPS. The ladies do it. I mean, no man ever wants to admit he's lost. No man ever admits that he's lost. We'll say stuff like, um, I'm just taking a route you ain't never been on before. Well, this is a shortcut that I, I, I figured out, you know, that, that, and, and the wife would say, well, no, I, I think you're lost. We're not lost. I know where I'm going. No, baby, I think we're lost. We're not lost. What gives you a picture that we're lost? Well, we passed this kid eating the ice cream three times, and the third time he was finished. <laughs> we're lost. <laughs> so he got that one. It is so important for us if we're going to, if we got one shot at this life, and one shot only. And we know life is going to take us through some twists and turns. We need to make sure we have the truth of God's word locked and loaded as a light because it guides us. My prayer always for my students at high, in high school that I teach, Lord, I pray that your will and your word will become a lamp for my students and for my kids. That they can clearly see the path they need to be on. You know, I'm not an outdoorsy person in terms of camping. You know, I'll go fishing, but I'm not a, a guy that will just, you know, put up a tent late at night. It's just too many things out there that's just, whoo, uh, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It just, they got creatures out there in the night. They supposed, they are nocturnal. They supposed to be there. At night, I'm supposed to be in my house. And I can control everything in my house. If it's crawling, creeping, I can kill it, and then he's gone. And he ain't going to call his friends and come get me. <laughs> but I'm not hating on the guys who love to hunt, Okay. And I remember I, I grew up, my dad was a, a Boy Scout leader, and, you know, he uh, we, it was Troop 42 in New Orleans. And he took us out to Covington, and they was, you know, I was trying to get through, you know, just to get through this. And they, they taught us how to put up tents and tie knots and stuff. And I was not liking any of this. My dad was a military guy, and I'm like, I hate this. But I was too afraid to tell him. 
And I will never forget, when we finally put the tent up, and, man, I ran in there, and as soon as the sun went down, it's like the creatures of the night just rose up in one crescendo of a mass choir, and you heard all kinds of sounds. And I put the sleeping bag right there. I said, Lord, don't let any of that sound come up in this tent. <laughs> no, let, let them stay right where they are. They got the Mormon tabernacle locusts out there. Let them swim out in the thing out there. Don't let them come up in here. And I hated every aspect of it. And we went down to, to the latrine, and we were washing our hands, and I looked down. My brother was standing there. We looked down, and there was a snake right there curled up next to his leg. And I'm like, Nate, I told her, his name was Novell. I said, Novell, slide over this way. Move slowly. What, what? Just slide over this way. And as he was sliding, I was sliding with him, looking down. And I said, that's why I don't like being outside. Look at this creature. <laughs> One of the guys who, uh, who was in our camp, he was like three or four guys down washing his hand. He saw it, and he just ran over there, grabbed the tail, and just swung it. was like, dude, come on, bro. Y'all wimping out on us. I'm like, man, are you crazy? I'm not trying to grab no snake, man. Uh-uh. I hate the darkness. You know, I tell people all the time, I said, man, I don't even like God. Pull me out of darkness for a reason. I don't like it. <laughs> and neither did he like his people in darkness either. Because in darkness, you have a tendency to hit your foot on things. That hurt. Yeah, yeah. He says, and even Paul described those who are in darkness, they stumble in the night, groping, trying to find their way. But that's, he said, that's not who we are now. The light has come on, and we can clearly see the path that God has marked. Aren't you glad the light came on? Aren't you glad the light is shining on you? Amen, amen. So that light is powerful because it dispels the darkness. 1 John 1, 1 and 5 says, In the beginning was the word. And the word was God, and the word was, was God, and the word was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Wow, incredible. Two things happened in John chapter 1, not First John. 1, the light came, and there were those who couldn't con- perceive the light. Number 2, the, thing, the second thing we learned about the light in John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, the light overcame darkness. I truly believe that light is always greater than darkness. If you want, it don't take long for this room to get dark. All you got to do is remove the light, and darkness is here. Just remove the light. Just remove the light. You can go back there, and, and I don't know how many of you have ever been way back in the back of the property at night. Uh, you know, unless you're brave, don't do it. But you can take a, a, just a candle and light that wick, and it will just, it will give an exam, it will illuminate a, a, a portion of where you're walking. It will bring light to areas that you, where you're walking. So we have been called to bring the light of God's word into this darkness so men and women can truly see where they are. So not only is the lamp, our fourth uh, illustration or, or word picture is the word of God is like a hammer. And that will break the rock. It's like a hammer. Jeremiah 23 and the second part of 20, uh, verse 29 says this. Is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rocks into pieces? God's word is like a hammer that shatters the hardest heart crushes the strongest resistance and break down, breaks down the greatest wall. God's word can reach through the roughest exterior. It can touch even those whom believe, who we believe to have too many layers of bitterness and anger. Let me ask you a question while you're writing that. How many of you guys have, um, let me just ask this question. The first time you heard the word of God for the first time, did you receive Christ the first time you heard the word? Anybody? No? Okay. Somebody wants to share with what took, what, what took, what did it take to get past, to break forth, and now to receive it? What was the challenge? Yeah, that's the, I think that's the question. What was the challenge for you? Yeah, right here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Sunday after we were going to church, we were 
So the wall for you was trying to understand which religion was, was real. Re yeah, the wall was religion. Okay. Someone else, what was the thing that stood between you and Christ that made it difficult to come to him? Anybody? Huh? Okay. All right. Knowledge or understanding? Didn't understand. And then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Someone else. One more. What is the thing that stood between you and God that, that needed to be broken? Mm-hmm. For a lot of us, if we if we really honest with ourselves, just plain old pride and arrogance. I don't need God. I can do this on my own. I got this. I'm not bad as that person. If we really get down and take a look at it, I'm good. You know, when we compare ourselves to other people, yeah, we are good. But when we really lock and load on the truth of God's word that reveals God's character versus our nature, it's like whoa, whoa, Nelly. We need to do something. We need to make some changes. Pastor Steve Lawson said this, there is no force in the world that compares with the shattering force of the word of God to overcome all resistance in the day of his power. Little weak men stand in the pulpit with a sledgehammer and they bring the force of the word of God to bear upon the hearts that is resistant and it shatters pride and it crushes and smashes self-righteousness. Do you hear that? That's some powerful stuff. When you understand the weight that a, a, a man or a woman that you carry, when you carry the word of God and you bring in the word of God into a dark, that thing crushes. And that's why most people get so angry because when they start hearing truth for the first time, the only two things happen. Either they submit or they become angry and they want to push you back and push you away. But that's not a bad thing because now the word of God is doing what? Bringing conviction. You know, a lot of medicines mama used to give you didn't taste good. But then once you got it in there, boy, it worked. And the word of God is like that. You just need to get it down on the inside. It may not taste good going down. But once you get it in there, boy, it will accomplish the, 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 the reality of what it was sent for. The person that you believe will never soften their hearts towards God. That person, in a moment of time, can be crushed under the weight of the word of God. And all resistance gives way to the power of God. The prophet Jeremiah speaks about the hammer of God's word that shatters a rock in pieces. But he also speaks about the new covenant picture of God waiting or writing his law on our hearts and our new hearts of flesh. Jeremiah speaks about the hammer of God's word that shatters the rock in pieces, but he also speaks about the new covenant picture of God writing his law on our hearts and giving us a new heart of flesh. That's clearly seen in Jeremiah <clears throat> 31, uh, verse 31 to 33. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and of the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with your fathers, on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. What God was telling them is coming a time where you will no longer need Israel. You will no need to look at a tablet, a law to figure out how to follow me. He says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that heart of stone and I'm going to crush it. And I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. And I'm going to write my law upon your heart so that you will never need to go find a law written on some page or tablet or book. He says, I'm going to put my law 
in your hearts, that you're going to have a heart to want to follow me, a heart to just long and have a desire to have a relationship with me. And so not sinning is not going to be something you're trying to not do, not to get caught. You're not going to sin because we're going to have a love relationship. And you love me. That's why you're not going to want to do the things that's going to hurt you or hurt me. We see the same new covenant picture in Ezekiel chapter 36. Let's take a look at it. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all of your uncleanliness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. And I will put within you and I will be I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. The new covenant is summarized for us in 2 Corinthians 5.17. And this is a very powerful, most famous scripture. Many of us know it. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new what? What has passed away? What has become new? We have become new. God's word is powerful to do all the things we have discussed here today. This is why the, we wield the sword. We cast the seed. We shine the light and we swing the hammer. This is why we do this. This is why we, again, yield the sword, wield the sword, cast the seed, shine the light and swing the hammer. Because each one of those gives us a picture of God's word and what he does. I want you to understand something, the power of God's word. You know, I went in, we don't, we no longer have uh, the store Books a Million. And many of you who are avid readers have gone into Books a Million. I know you're somewhat sad, huh? Was that your hangout place, girl? Yeah, I know. Well, they've also, they put Books a Million and put Chipotle in the same room. I'm still upset over that, but I'll get over it. When you walk into Books a Million, man, you will see all these self-help books. You will see all these books around. around. I mean, just lined up millions of them. But then they got this one little section right in the middle of the store off to the side. And, it, and it's called inspirational. It's interesting how they just labeled that section inspirational. And what is interesting about that one section compared to all the other books that's written by man and his philosophy, all those other books don't come anywhere near the effect and the power that the Word of God has when a, a life, a heart, gives totally over to its truth. You think about how many uh, I'm okay, you're okay books that are out there. Five steps to prosperity. You know, six steps to a greater relationship. And if Christ is not at the center of this help that you're seeking, you'll only have success for but a moment. And it will not last. Because everything focuses, man's philosophy focuses on the outside, changing the outside, changing the outside. With God's words, it gets to the heart of the matter. It changes us on the inside, where the true change must be. I, um, for just uh, FYI, I, uh, I was doing an interesting word search, and I can't understand why I did the word search on that, uh, on the word penitentiary. <laughs> and what was interesting about the word was inside the word penitentiary was the word penitent, which means what? To repent. So I'm thinking in my mind, I've gone to Angola State Penitentiary. Not as an inmate. I just went to preach. Okay, because it's like, oh, my God, this boy's a reformed criminal. Well, we all are. If you think about it, we ran out and we violated God's law, if you think about it. I went to preach there. And I saw the power of God transform these guys' lives. That was just amazing. And it was really hard for me to, to really believe that these guys who loves Christ and preach with such power and, 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 and such a servant heart did the things they said they did. So I was doing a word search on the word penitentiary, and in the word penitentiary, the word penitent. So I started looking at that word deeper and doing a deeper search. Here is where that word penitentiary came from, and I'm going somewhere with this. When they first formed a way to put a man or a woman into a solitary room, what they would do is they would put a Bible in the middle of that room, in that cell. That's all that person was getting. That's all they got was a Bible. 
And the purpose of putting that Bible in that cell room was to allow, since there was nothing else to do, that Bible was supposed to be a way that that criminal, going through the pages of that book, come to the reality of who he really was as a sinner and who Christ really was as his Savior. And when the reality of who he was was revealed through the scriptures of that book left in that, that cell, what was he left to do at that point? When he came to the realization of who he was and who God was, repent. He, a penitent man falls on his knees before God and says, God, I'm a wretched sinner. Forgive me. That's what the penitentiary system was originally designed to do. But it's far from that now. Because oftentimes a guy going there for a petty crime comes out worse than he was before he went in there. But that was the power. Why did I say that? I said that because that is the power of the word of God. He was a criminal, nowhere to go, nothing to do, a Bible sitting in there. He opens it up, and the reality of who he is becomes a reality in light of who he is versus who God is and radically changes his life. Why? Because his heart is changed. His heart is changed. And that's the power of God's word. It gets to the heart of the matter. And it changes us from the inside, from the inside out, where man's tradition and man's philosophy try to change us from the outside in. Amen? That's the power of the word. And I want to challenge you and encourage you. Anytime you are struggling in any area of your life, I want you to lock and load. Find what the promises of the promise of God are Begin to apply in your prayers, begin to apply the word of God to circumstances, to your situation. Begin to use more of the word of God in your daily prayers. Even if you just got to pray a certain scripture, Father, I stand on this word and begin to declare it. You will see how powerful the word of God is and it will literally begin to shatter the things around you. And you, and you were designed to walk in victory in every area of your life. Why? Because the Bible says, and we learned the lesson, the Bible can do all it says it can do. Many reasons why many of you are successful today in your walk with God is because the Word of God, you've submitted to it, and it has become the guiding force of how you raise your children, how you love your spouse, how you treat people, how you run your business, how you respond to tragedy, how you respond to triumph, how you respond to disappointments and setbacks. Because the word of God gives you the power and the ability and it guides you through every aspect of your life. Amen. I hope and pray that the word of God today, our lesson today, has helped you to understand why the Bible is unlike any other book you will ever get in your hand. I tell my kids, I teach Bible at home, uh, at home of Christian, uh, 10 through 12. And I say, guys, your Bible is your American Express card. Never leave home without it. Never leave home without it. And it's like a visa card. It'll be everywhere you want to be. Amen. Any questions or comments? All right, let us pray. Father, we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you that your word is living and active in our lives. And I pray, Father, every time we open up the pages and we scroll through, reveal yourself in a greater dimension that we've never seen before. May the Holy Spirit illuminate the truths of the word as we submit to it and shine a light on every area of our lives that's still in darkness. Father, we pray for the service today, our worship team, as they lead us in the presence of God. May the Holy Spirit uh, captivate and take up every space in, the, in this house today and let no heart leave unchanged. And I pray your anointing on Pastor Ben as he preached today and the word penetrate the hearts of your people. We will give you glory and honor in all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.